wellness industry upside down so you can be your healthiest inside and out. I'm your host, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist and supplement strategist. I'm joined by Mark DeSico, founder of RTD Fitness. How are you, Mark? Uh, this is an exciting episode, Neil. We are in for an absolute treat. We've got people packed here into the tiny little studio. It's 7,000 degrees in here still, and I'm I'm sweating already, 7 a.m. on a Sunday. It's a mess. This is this is a dream. This is what we want to be. It is a dream. So we have actually two guests in the studio. We're going to just tease that idea. There you don't are know two, who. It could be anybody. It could be any. It's literally could President be, and, and Obama. It could be shout-out Socrates in person, but it's not. It it's not, not actually that. So so this is uh, today's episode is our first uh, guest appearance. We're going to talk about mental well-being, one of the components of the wellness pyramid. And this is going to be hopefully just the first of many appearances that we have uh, with in-studio guests and hopefully also one of the first of many conversations we're going to have about mental well-being, right? And uh, a lot of people have reached out and asked, "Can we be on the podcast?" The answer to all of you is no. You I was, cannot, the, I you was, cannot be on the podcast. Don't reach out to me. Don't ask me. None of you offered to have me on your podcast. Okay, <laughs> all of you have podcasts of your own. If and, you could just invite us over to your house while yeah, you're singing in the shower, exactly. Would be fantastic. Have us on your TikToks or something. But we are not going to have you on our podcast. So I was just, actually just going in another that. direction. I was thinking that we could have no, everybody on the podcast absolutely if they not. just asked. No, if they asked to be on, the answer is absolutely <laughs> no every time. That's it. So in the studio today is psychologist Doctor. Lawrence Dresdale. He's a practicing psychologist, actually right across the street here, and he's here to help us with this conversation. And this is another one-two punch episode, just like with the Book of Mark and the Myths of Stretching. This episode is going to be complemented with our off-the-record episode. So Mark and I are going to be joined again by Dr. Dresdale, and we're going to talk about what's wrong with the world today <laughs> and how I definitely solved the world's problems with my recent commencement address that I gave to the high school Woodstockers that were graduating. Yeah, you stood in, the, in a field in Antiora and solved all of the world's, the world's problems. problems. It was it was the greatest speech that I ever actually, given. There's there's a there's another podcast studio across the street where Dr. Dresdale operates out of. And so the first time we did this, I went in there and I was yeah. like, oh, Dr. Dresdale's got an office here. I should just stop by and, and swing by and say hello. And then I realized I was in the entire wrong building. I was like, where where <laughs> the whole thing was just shot. And so Stop luckily messing. he made his way to us now. So yeah. that's much, much better, yeah. much safer. I feel better about it. So let's do the plugs. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast related. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and even over on YouTube. Give us that five-star review. It helps our egos and it helps us get seen and heard. So we've earned it. We have earned it. Now, uh, Dr. Dresdale, we haven't even uh, said hi to you yet. We're going to do that. But we do this thing called a pre-show affirmation because as you can imagine, Mark and I get a little grumpy about things. So um, we'd like to just let people know that we're actually happy people. <laughs> so uh, we uh, have to state why we're here, what we're trying to do. So we want you to live your healthiest life. We're fans of supplements. If you're done right, uh, we just don't want you to get lost in the chaos that the health and wellness industries intentionally create. So we're here to help make sure you don't waste your time, money, or energy in the false promises made by these billion-dollar industries. So we're here to help and help you on a new, better wellness path. But as a warning, if we're ranting about something, we're not picking on you because you tried it. We're beating up on the system, the misinformation, the hype that gets folks like you with good intentions into the wrong spots. So we're raging against the machine, not you. So 
Don't just, take it personally. Yeah, don't 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 write a this letter. This is not about you. This is about <laughs> the system that allows you to be you, which is different than you. It's yes. not about it's not something we don't want people to take this personally and go, I did that thing and now I feel badly. That's not the idea here. The idea is we want to support you. And that's the importance of, of doing that wellness pyramid starting at the base, which we've been talking about this whole time. So if you've been watching us, you know the base is the key to this whole thing. We don't get to that supplement strategy till we take care of that. First level, and we've got a first level assassin here today. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Dresdale. He's the very best. Well, hey, good morning. You know, I have to say, I didn't expect this assault so early in the morning. <laughs> no uh, one does. On all your emotions. No one expects yeah. a Spanish Inquisition. And, and no I think I would have to ramp my energy level up about 100 just yeah, to keep got, up with you, you, you guys. You're going to have but... to take it up a notch, Dres. Listen, we're not playing games here. This is a full-on uh, interactive podcast. It's nonstop. <laughs> it, it, the, the energy level is very high here. This you morning. know what happened? We did the first few episodes and Mark thought he was a grump. So now he's I was super grumpy the first few episodes. I was like, man, this doesn't work either, man. And, and I, I noticed really the eight empty coffee cups. It, so it's all right. It was. It was. It was. High quality quick check. Uh, the quick check goodness. Cafe. That's right. Been sitting there for seven hours. So we're talking about mental health today. And I want to have a, pr- uh, a preface preface. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is the second preface to the podcast. Each one of us here has some background with mental health. Right. Mm-hmm. Our guest, of course, is the subject matter expert. But all of us have some sort of background here. And we all have a great deal of respect for mental health. So this conversation, just like every other conversation around health and wellness, is not meant to be reductionist. We don't have the answer. And that's not how mental health works. Um, I believe mental health treatment requires a properly trained, licensed expert always. Um, I can talk about nutrition all day. We talk about exercise and stuff like that. But if someone has a specific pathology, like a dialysis patient or a heart failure Mm -hmm. patient or somebody with an allergy, clearly our advice is not for you, right? This requires expert nutritional care and it requires that registered dietitian's brain, right? And so my personal belief is that all mental health challenges I'll go as far as saying you should have mental health professional intervening every time you should because everything's a mess with the mental health information that we have. Right. If you think that things are a mess with nutrition or supplements, oh, man. The, the nightmare that is out there around uh, mental health misinformation, our assumptions, we have stigmas. Um, there's a toxic approach. Right. Uh, you know, you got anxiety, bruh. Just do a push up. Suck it you up. Know? Suck it. You know, like suck it up. Figure it out. <laughs> so we are all have negative self-talk mm-hmm. we all have anxieties we're unfocused life is heavy and i'm not a mental health professional at all but i can help you by pointing out misinformation giving you a framework and some practices that we should be doing on the regular i can encourage you to see the help seek the help of experts and then help engage with the complicated kind of crappy american healthcare mm-hmm. system as well to make your mental health better, your mental well-being better, we have to engage with this in a in a more um, sophisticated manner. Right, and we've talked a lot about your holistic approach to the to the to the person. And so, if we do that, having a, a, a just a glance over mental health when it's a, a key component on that base that we were talking about, yeah. if we just glazed over that and we're like, yeah, you know, figure out your mental health. That's the same thing as us saying, well, figure out your nutrition or yeah. figure out your supplements. Like that's that's not going to get you where you want to be. And so 
the reason we're we're talking to and working with people that we admire, that we trust, that we know have the right message around this is is key because we don't we don't want to make this sound like it's it's not equally important because it is. And so it's very easy to say, well, I'll take care of the physical aspects, I'll look at my nutrition, I'll drink more water, I'll go to bed earlier. That might not help if you have you know, very serious anxiety or depression or other mental health issues, that's not going to get you where you need to be. And so there's this fear of sort of engaging with the mental health community. There's this, you know, how would I even start? There's, they're just going to put me on, we talked about that, they're just going to put me on medicine. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not the kind of conversation we want to have. We don't want to defeat any of these ideas before we've given them an opportunity to grow. And so that's why we're starting this conversation here today. Dr. Dresdale is a clinical psychologist with extensive experience in the field of behavioral medicine. He combined biopsychology and clinical psychology in his graduate work to integrate the knowledge of biological bases of behavior, including brain behavior relationships, into clinical practice. Dr. Dresdale was an intern and resident in the Department of Medical Psychology at Oregon Health and Science University, where he received training in neuropsychology. He's in private practice with the primary treatment modality being mindfulness-based cognitive therapy to address a broad range of clinical issues, including traumatic brain injury. Hi, Dr. Dresdale. Good morning again. <laughs> How's that I, intro? Well, huh? I, that was seriously, something. I forgot was who something. I was, and I am really impressed yeah, now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, who's that guy? Man, he sounds, he sounds important. We should have him on the show. Did you invite somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of our little preface, our pre-preface preface? I love it. Uh, um, first of all, I just want to say for the two of you to take the time to put this information out to people and oh, nobody's going to hear it. Yeah, no, I understand. But <laughs> if one or two people do, you know, the, the, it's a numbers game. Uh, some people will hear it. Some people will act on it and it's, it's we inch forward and it makes a big difference. So thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for ha- coming here. We appreciate it. So today's episode, Introduction to Mental Wellbeing, My Wellness Pyramid, The American Mental Health Crisis. We're going to talk about the bad roommate in your head, and then we're going to introduce y'all to meditation and mindfulness. So, And we have somebody else here, Neil. We can't just ignore oh, the fact. Shit. We can't even ignore the fact. This is like you're, you're just pretending like we don't have a fourth member of our crew here <laughs> we that we need do. to acknowledge. Shout out Saugerties. We have a physical Saugerties sort of resident here, right? This is, uh, this is a special guest for you video viewers. This is my my daughter Ava Smoller. Wow. She's my intern today. She's learning. She's learning how best. to keep us straight. Yeah, she's, she's just trying to keep us to not ruin this thing. We needed somebody who has technology knowledge and understands <laughs> how phones and videos and audio were. We're too dumb to figure this out on our own. We, right. need, we need a young person. That's right. So, all right, let's talk about mental well being. So, if you recall, I believe that we misuse the word holistic. Culturally, when we say holistic, Mark thinks of a hippie. I do. Uh, often, we just mean anti-medicine or, or, or alternative medicine only. We don't like that either. It's dumb. This is wrong. and We have to redefine holistic and reclaim the word holistic. Holistic health <laughs> means we understand how each of the components of our life are interconnected and interdependent and how they relate to or contribute to the whole being. Very simple, right? So the wellness pyramid is my model for what I call true holistic care you know, kind of differentiating between how we say holistic and what I believe it should be. At the bottom are those lifestyle domains, the five bins 
our day-to-day choices and practices get put into. So again, nutrition, sleep, exercise, mental well-being, and the environment, which is now called the exosome, right? I mean, Men- it's always been called that, but we're, you know. We're, it's, it's just, I found You like using it. fancier words. I found, what, I found yeah. that in the dictionary, mm-hmm. and I was like, ooh, that's it. That's a fancy word. So when it comes to mental well-being, it's really interesting because it's an evolution for me because it used to just be called stress. Uh, you know, I, I, when people came to me and they had problems, it was 99% of it connected to stress. So, uh, you know, acute stress or even the long-term chronic stress, it's impact on the bodies. Um, so managing, reducing, preventing stress has a direct effect on our short-term and long-term health. But there are so many more choices around mental health that affect our overall well-being that we quickly expanded this category. So when we talk about nutrition, we have to go wide, you know, what to eat, how to eat, wh- where to eat, right? Uh, goals, metrics, quality, and the same thing with mental uh, well-being. So we talk about stress management. I even talk about productivity and how that's uh, connected to stress, device dependency. And, you know, it's just these these daily intentional efforts towards maintaining mental health, no matter who you are, uh, no matter what disease or pathologies you have, it's as important as doing your daily exercises and stretching and eating correctly every single day. So so I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to ask Dr. Dresdale, when you think about mental well-being practices that anybody can do, whether you're, you know, um, you know, you have a pathology or w- whether you are just trying to get through the, the day to day, what do you think? Any, anything that comes to mind? Yeah, a ton of things come to mind. <clears throat> so I'd like to start with this, which mm-hmm. is in the field of psychology, psychiatry, it began with a pathology oriented approach, right. um, diseases and problems, and we needed to fix everything. So maybe about in the 1970s, there was a surprise, surprise in the West, you know, in the East, they've only known this for about 3,000 years, but in the West, (laughs) they started thinking about positive psychology, uh, which is like, oh, let's look at people who are actually doing well and learn something from them and, right, and see how that plays out. So we've got that piece. I think another piece is it's a continuum. You know, there are some people who are very highly functioning in terms of mental well-being, and there not, is, not either one of us. No, yeah, definitely but, not this really, room excluded. Yeah, really, <laughs> everybody but even in this room. It, it was fine. The rest of us. <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum are people who really struggle, and there are difficulties, and there are a whole bunch of reasons for that. Um, so it's it's not like either or. Right. The other thing I want to mention in relative uh, to what you said is the false dichotomy of mind-body. Um, yeah. I promise you, if I take your brain out, your mind's going to go with it. I, <laughs> that's, so, that's just science, folks. So, Follow the science on that. Hard science. Hard science. So, um, Is that you know, a service you offer? <laughs> not yet. It's an extra fee. Insurance won't cover it here in America. That's a European thing. You have to go to a European country where they cover that. They don't cover that here under an HMO. That's right. But it will cure the problem of chattering minds. Sure. So, um, so we need to look and realize that we're taking care of the body you know, the mind will follow. Uh, so that's really important. And also, I just wanted to say something about holistic. You sure. know, there are many, many books. And I've got them all on my bookshelf for a long time. And, you know, there's unfortunately a division in antagonism once again. So there's conventional medicine, let's call it that, and complementary medicine. There's no reason they can't work together. And, mm-hmm. and um, it, they need to when it is appropriate. Right. Okay, good. So your question was about mental well-being. Yeah, like daily practices and such. You know, uh, you know, I'm just basically I'm I'm, I'm trying to get free information because I want to expand my practice. You have, so you, have, you have to get better, Neil. And the other, the other thing, and he we didn't pay him to say all this. We're not paying him at all. So uh, the the thing about Dr. Dresdale and and the reason we wanted him here is he's connected 
connecting the dots on some of the stuff we've already talked about. If you've watched the podcast, if you listen to the podcast, we've talked about how you cannot separate out this idea that we need to access conventional medicine because it has benefits for us. And so pretending right. like we don't need conventional medicine. If I hadn't had my surgery, it wouldn't have helped me to get to where I am. So I had to engage with the conventional medicine system to get the results that I have now. And so I, I might have been able to do that without engaging that system, but it, it's benefited me directly. And so to pretend like I don't need conventional medicine would be inaccurate. And, and for folks who have conditions that require conventional medicine, pretending like there's some sort of magical pill or I'll go see Neil and he'll give me some collagen, that's not going to be effective. And so we have to be honest about the need for these. And, and, and quality is important. But the idea that we don't have to engage with these systems at all is inaccurate, and it's and it's and it's dangerous if we were to give that message out. And so we want to be really clear about that. That you want to seek out professionals who have the skills and knowledge in the, in this stuff, and and that's why we brought Doctor Dresdale here to say he to say just that. So that was awesome. That was that was that was good. We're, you, you did good. So oh, you did good. That's <laughs> an a good plus so far. This okay. Is, this is where this is us trying to be positive. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely, and thank you for that, Mark. Um, it's it's so true. There is a place. And we need to be thoughtful, careful, discriminatory, and work to put it together to get the maximum benefits for our well-being. Um, so not to reject either one out of hand, not, you know, take sides, it's good, it's bad, it's whatever. Yeah. It's what does each individual need and assess that individual's needs. Um, so, you know, when I, when I talk with some of my patients for whom it looks like medication would be particularly helpful... I bring up a cartoon I once saw in an office filing cabinet that is, uh, I'm going to change one word in here. It, you'll get the picture. It said, when you're up to your, you're up to your rear end in alligators, <laughs> it's, you know, it's important to remember to, that you have to drain the swamp, right? So, Yikes, drain the swamp. Drain you got to be swamp. careful with that one. Right, right, exactly. That's right. So in any That's case. That's how we got here, Dr. Not, not putting that That's how we got to the American mental health crisis, which we can talk about until we're right. blue in the face. But. So, so medication, for example, can be very helpful for some people to get rid of the alligators so they can focus on draining the swamp. And another thing I will say to people is, you know, medication can help reduce symptoms, but it is not going to change your life. Uh, mm -hmm. That's where the role of working with a well-trained, competent a uh, mental health professional doing psychotherapy, and once again, the appropriate psychotherapy for one's situation. There are a wide range of psychotherapeutic interventions. So, you know, sometimes I know people think of us as, oh, therapists, we're generic. Yeah. We're not generic. There's different levels of training, different skill sets, and different therapies that we bring to the table. So it's matching the patient to the treatment. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if you put those things together, when necessary and indicated, we can get much better results. Now, having said that, I want to go back to your pyramid because the points you brought up on the pyramid, which mm -hmm. are the day-to-day -day lifestyle activities that promote overall health and wellness. Yeah. Right? This is that mind-body. So if we take care of the body, the mind we'll just use that separately for a moment, mm -hmm. um, will actually feel and act much better as well. Oh my God, there's paper after paper that comes out that says if you eat fruit, you'll have better mental health. If you exercise X number of minutes, you'll have better mental health. And you know, and then we can also talk about the social stuff, right? Uh, people that don't have those uh, pressures of uh, you know food scarcity, or if they don't have the pressures of uh, you know even like having to work their lives away and they're super stressed, will have better better mental health. And it all kind of connects together. And, and, the, and the inverse. When I talked about going to, you know, the Cheesecake Factory and, and 
plowing through cheesecake, the impact on my mental health of eating <laughs> cheesecake is it, that, that's a, that's the opposite of what we're talking about, right? Which and and not to say don't eat cheesecake, eat all the cheesecake you want, but the 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 mind body connection that Dr. Dresdale's connecting here for us that yeah. that idea that if I if I take the time and I focus in on these lifestyle domains, no matter what else I have going on, if I take these five lifestyle domains and I approach them in a, in a way that I'm actually going to work towards goals and, and, and they're specific to me and they're about what I need, if that's going to happen, then we can move on to these other, you know, fancier options of, yeah. of supplements and all kinds of cool stuff. You can't do any of that though. If you're not exercising, if you're yeah. not getting a good night's sleep, if you don't have water as part of your day, if you're not getting proper nutrition, your body's just going to not respond the way that you'd like it to. And so that's the piece that we really want to focus on and, and, and why we're here talking about it. We think this is so, so important. Interde- interconnected, yeah. interdependent, you know, that's what we've been saying for a bit here. So, so the American mental health crisis, uh, let's talk about that. And let's talk about how, um, you know, the media is really talking about this mental health crisis in America. And, and you can kind of feel it, right? Mental uh, illnesses on the rise is what we're seeing. So can you clue us into the reality here? Like what's real about this? Okay. So the American mental health crisis, uh, first of all, America is not the only country, of course, that has uh, issues, but we do. Uh, the American Psychological Association sent extensive surveys, and the identification now is approximately one out of five, which is 20% mm. of Americans are suffering from some sort of mental illness. I use that time advise, uh, term rather advisedly because um, illness, it makes us sound like we're sick as opposed to suffering from something. Right. So we need to separate that out. What's happening is that first of all, uh, life is stressful. That's just a fact. And one of the problems that we have generally in America is that people are educated for all kinds of things in school, etc. but no education is given how to handle life, how to handle stress, how to handle our well-being. Uh, one caveat, there have been some studies using um, a brief meditation with school-aged children in classrooms that does demonstrate that uh, they do better behaviorally, there's less discipline problems, uh, academics go up and so forth. So, but that's, that's few and far between. So we enter life very ill-prepared for all of its stresses and demands. And that's actually, unfortunately, been filtering down to younger and younger people like Ava. Because, Ava, well, you're not, yeah. you're not mentally ill. We're no, we're saying. not mentally ill. You're young, but, that's it. That's all but we're But you're saying. suffering but, from being in the same room as us. So you are absolutely <laughs> suffering. Exposure is the it's, problem. It's tough. But the idea, I love that, because the idea that, that, that children are actually humans is 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 a, is a radical concept that children actually have mental health needs right. that might even be equal or so, somewhat more important than us as adults right. we're not laying that framework we don't have the groundwork there so when they grow up without those tools in place if you don't know how to be mindful if you don't take time to breathe like no one teaches you how to breathe yeah. i do breathing as part of my yoga stuff yeah i didn't know how important breathing was no one showed me how to use my body to breathe and calm myself down now that's pretty important for someone who wants to calm down, right? Right. Well, and then, like, uh, he's saying that, you know, adults are ill-prepared, right. and then they're having kids and just dumping all their crap sure. on the kids and then not preparing them. And then we have these stigmas around mental health that is very, you know, it's pervasive still today about mental health. Oh, you don't want to be crazy, you know? And so then they, then they don't even address these issues with children. Yeah, I mean, I want to put the emphasis on the fact that these are learned skills. And they can be taught. And the earlier they're taught and the longer people practice, 
you know, physical and mental, emotional well-being, uh, the better off people are going to be. So what happens is adults walk through my door having a ton of problems, yeah. but they don't have a skill set. So therapy, yes, it develops insight and how we function internally, et cetera, but it's also teaching these skills. And one of the things about this is the paradox, the more stressed out we are, the harder it is to make the life changes. Yeah, That's really sad and unfortunate. And right. once again, teaching younger people can make an enormous difference. Um, so we have to work with this as best as we possibly can. Um, and going back to the mental health slash illness crisis in America, we, and I was going to say about younger people, but with the advent of social media, mm. and it's not only younger people, but it is also adults. There used to be downtime. <clears throat> I'm older. I, I used to come home from school. It was done. Whatever jerky things were said or done or happened at school, I got away from it. Now, yeah. 24-7, Young people are linked in. Um, oh, that's they're not linked in. They're not linked in. But on social, multiple social media platforms, and this is happening to them constantly, and a lot of adults too. Uh, we've got a bad case of device addiction now. Um, so the stress is constant. People give up sleep because there's only so much time of the day. They, you know, drive through, you know, fast food. I've been in a lot of places in this world. I've never seen all you can eat in any other country than America. Right. You know, this goes number on. Number one, Dr. Dresdale. Yeah. We're the best. <laughs> Sizzler, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and so, you know, we're pushed in this direction that actually doesn't honor our well-being. Right. Um, corporations make money, I'm sorry to say, of us not being well. And then as you mentioned, Neil, other corporations make money selling all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. to try to make us better. So let's go back to the basics. What can we do? Mm -hmm. It's small steps. We No one's going to change everything at once, but I'm fond of saying one push-up's better than none. So yeah. anything we do in a direction, and you mentioned, Mark, setting goals, it may, and I say to my patients, be patient. Yeah. Weeks months, maybe even years. But if you stay with it, the slow evolutionary change of learning how to change your lifestyle habits and your mental, let's call them mental habits, of coping with stress, etc., will be uh, eventually successful. Because right now, the pandemic wiped... We were having problems before, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. The pandemic just destroyed so much. I had a flood of former patients return at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, um, We've got economic crisis. It's worldwide. It's not just here in America. Yeah. It is worldwide. And there are studies that have demonstrated very clearly when economies go down, mental health, domestic violence, substance abuse, all kinds of adverse behaviors go up. It is... You know, it's really critically involved because the stresses on people are intense and people don't have the skills right. about how to cope with those stresses. Yeah. And it just becomes, unfortunately, like a snowball, you know, going downhill. It just gets bigger and bigger. And um, what keeps happening is 
the services were cut. We used to have an excellent mental health, community mental health yep. system prior to the 1980s in America. There was here on Broadway, yep. I mean, there was a storefront mm-hmm. clinic. People could walk mm-hmm. in. Well, budgets got slashed. Psychiatric hospitals got closed. Um, it's and- really funny how like mental health and pharmacy are the two components mm-hmm. of a health budget that always get cut first. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like it feels, banned. It, well, what it feels like is it we don't have the money for it is sort of the and there's not an appetite for we need to we need to as a society come together and meet this need. So when you had community mental health, when you had psychiatric hospitalization as an option, folks who are now in jail wouldn't be in jail because we would have medical treatment for yeah. those folks. And so. Now, if you look at the, you know, we, we can get into the sort of the prison complex situation, but right. but that's the only place left for right. folks who have this level of severe mental illness. So there's no place for them to show up and go. So if you're if you honestly just walk into a place and, and rob the the local mobile mart, you're going to get better services than mm-hmm. if you were to walk into a clinic that would be available to you. And that's the part that we really struggle with here is like mm-hmm. getting past the stigma, getting past this idea that somehow I'm broken. The idea of suffering is 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 right. very true, and right. and we talked about this placebo effect here uh, last a couple episodes ago. That if if the dog wags his tail while he's eating his medicine, he's going to have a better efficacy of the medicine, right? Yeah. This mindset stuff that Doctor Dresdale's kind of highlighting. If I can just believe that I can do the thing, if I tell myself I'm going to do better, or I'm I'm trying to do better, or I can set realistic short term goals with someone a professional like Doctor Dresdale. I can see that slow incremental change and I can start feeling better. And when I start feeling better, I'm more engaged. I'm more likely to continue down that path. If I feel hopeless and I don't reach out to Dr. Dresdale and I don't make any effort at any of this stuff, I stay stuck. That paralysis that you were talking about, this idea that I'm not even going to ask for help because I'm so overwhelmed. I don't have a plan. I don't even know where to start. That stops more people than anything, I think, personally. I think yeah. that's that's more dangerous than somebody who's at least saying, all right, I'm going to at least try something here. That would be better than the alternative, which is folks just don't reach out. Right. I mean, so there there are people like Mark saying on that extreme end, the prison complex system, which is like the house for mental health, like severe mental health problems this, these days, it seems. But then there's everybody else. Right. And we're all dealing with some sort of baseline. Things are heavy. Things aren't right. And there are mechanisms for us to kind of deal with that. And the other piece, I guess, with the American uh, mental health crisis uh, we touched on is the our perceptions of mental health professionals uh, thinking that they're just one thing, as you said, but they have very specific disciplines and they need to be matched. And part of the problem when it comes to uh, pharmacy, uh, mental health and the pharmacology side of it is that we're experimenting uh, a lot of the times because we're trying to deal with human emotion and how these chemicals interact with our, our complex mental health systems. It can be very frustrating and failures, quote unquote, um, can make people with you know stress and anxiety and depression more anxious and more depressed. And so it is a very, very challenging uh, navigation, but I would say the biggest hang up is the thing that you talked about, how, um, you know, or actually I think it was Mark. Basically, if I talk to a a mental health professional, if I go see a shrink, they're going to put me on medicine and they're going to drug me up and that's all they're going to do. And they're not holistic. Uh, To be quite honest, I kind of feel like it's opposite. Like you were highlighting the idea that if you go to see a mental health professional, it's more about the therapy than it is about the medication and the medication, the nutrition, the exercise, the, the perspective shifts, the daily practices are more important to the work and to the success. Success than the medications. The medications help with the physical part of it, right? It gets so, rid of the alligators. Yeah, it gets rid of them alligators. <clears throat> yeah, it, when when it's appropriate. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a very serious issue. I, one of the things I say to my patients is, 
you know, you're having a normal reaction to an abnormal situation and it does, you know, it gets pathologized. Um, and people are under a lot of stress and anxiety is on the rise and depression is on the rise. And because people are so stressed and they're running as fast as they can, it's a simple, it seems like a simpler solution if you can take a pill and everything goes away. But as I said right. earlier, um, it may help, a, you know, with symptomatic change, but it doesn't change your life. The only thing that's going to change your life is you. You have to right. step in. And um, once again, you know, I have uh, people come in and they say, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Yeah. Well, neither do I, but um, yeah. I make it a priority and I say, okay, but you said you don't have time, but can you like, you know, walk up and down the hallway right now for five minutes? Yeah. You know, I have my, we're going to get to meditation mindfulness later, but I have my patients start with meditation you know, they go, I don't have time to go to, you know, an ashram and meditate all the time, or, you know, or <laughs> right. temples in Thailand. I say, no, we're talking five minutes in the morning. Can, right. you, can you give me five minutes in the morning? Can you make that commitment to yourself? And they go, what good is that going to do? I said, let me show you the research. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. by the way, the lifestyle factors um, and these interventions and how they positively affect mental well-being. Yes. There's a raft of research out in, in uh, good research in respectable, respected journals that clearly demonstrate when we take care of the lifestyle factors and we use these interventions to reduce stress, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, they make positive changes, and, it, and it's very, very clear. Um, other countries approach uh, mental well-being in a different way than we do, uh, for example, in England, but they have a national health service. They can make a decision at the top and then that becomes policy and how certain conditions are dealt with throughout the system. Right. We don't have that. You know, holistic is a word that's bandied about, but we're very fragmented, right, in all of this. And we have a lot of research, but it's not used in a systematic way, in a integrated way throughout our entire healthcare system, which is really too bad. One, yeah. You know, and, and we'd all benefit from putting our phones down. And so this <laughs> We're just idea, making important things important, but right? and, and we don't. What we do is we we compare ourselves to everybody's highlight reel on the internet. We look at somebody else's TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, and we say that person's further ahead than I am. Mark's <clears throat> really good at stretching now. So I'm not going to start stretching. Mark started stretching at 420 pounds. Mark was not good at stretching when he started. No one's good at the thing when they start. My daughter has the same thing. She's 10 now, and she has to be perfect at it. She had her first trumpet lesson, and she couldn't do everything she wanted to do with the trumpet. So she's like, well, I'm not very good at the trumpet. It's and mostly bad parenting, though, right? <laughs> it's, it's a parenting issue for sure. I mean, there's no getting around that. But But this is what we're up against, right? So... This idea that if I fail, right, and we talked about failing here, these yeah. are lessons, we're learning stuff. But but even from a young age, as a 10-year-old who's sitting there going like, I, I, I can't, I just can't do this. I'm throwing my hands up. I'm not any good at this thing I've never done before. That's that's the approach we're up against, which is I'm not I'm not any good at, at breathing. I don't know how to meditate, Dr. Dresdale. I'm asking you for five minutes. All right, five minutes is too long. But what? What? <laughs> but, but that's the same thing if I say to somebody, hey, I need you to stretch five minutes a day. If you stretch five minutes a day, you will see physical benefits from five minutes of stretching. I don't have five minutes. Well, you you do. Yeah. You're just throwing up roadblocks ahead of this to, to say, well, this is probably not going to work for me anyway. 
So I'm just going to not try. And I think that's what's going to defeat you more than taking an action. And and that's what we're trying to encourage you towards. These, these basic, simple steps, these practical steps that you can take right now. And we're going to get into the, the, the physical pieces of it in a second. But the mindset has to be there that this is something that's going to be successful. And if you don't have that mindset, you're not going to continue down that path. You're just going to start and go, well, Dr. Dresdale's a quack, and I'm not going to do the thing. Yeah. And, and, and we're trying to really buck up against that. One one push up is is more is than a great, sir. Is enough. One push up is better than none. And uh, everything you just referred to, Mark, is that bad roommate in your head. Yes, let's go um, to them. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the most revelatory moments for me and my understanding of my own mental mental health struggles was when Doctor Dresdale talked about the bad roommate in your head, and I'm so excited about this. Um, you know, uh, we covered this in the last podcast, but I think it's really important to dive into and really kind of do it. So let's, let's go. You want to go there? Let's go. Okay. It's one of my favorite topics. Um, and I can go on for a long time. So interrupt me. Um, <laughs> None of us go on for a very long time. <laughs> Dr. Dresden, as you can tell, we're, we're very, we're brevity is the key here. Uh, I see that. So, um, what, a couple of basic things, um, what we call mind, we were referring to are the words we hear inside our head, right? Our thoughts. Yeah. That's what we call mind because they're in words. We think it must be important. If it must be important in some words, we must listen. We assume that that little piece of brain tissue that generates those words actually knows something and knows what it's talking about. And we clearly are the problem because it's always telling us we are the problem and what we can do or we can't do or don't have enough time, et cetera. It is not, folks. It is a piece <laughs> of brain tissue. It is neurons firing, making words. Who knows why it does what it does? Well, I'm not going to go to the yeah. neuroscience. I do know why. <laughs> we but, know why. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <We don't>. Right. <laughs> but the fact that most of what gets generated in our thoughts is a consequence and conditioning that creates a huge amount of negativity. Now, remarkably, thoughts affect the body. And uh, when the body responds, we have sensations, and in certain combinations, we call those feelings. So if we are thinking in you know, negative, self-critical words, our body is going to have a negative emotional response, right? Or if we get into a negative mood, it goes the other way. It's a two-way street. It goes up from the body into the brain, and uh, these associative thoughts uh, that make sense with that mood, anxiety, for example— is a real good one. Yeah. You know, the brain will start to quote worry. Now, here's what I want to say. First of all, you are not your thoughts. Yeah. Everybody says, I am. That is not us. We are this total, complete being, right? Our thoughts are not who we are. Heaven forbid if I thought my thoughts were me, I would think sometimes I'm a pretty terrible person because <laughs> my mind will generate some really not so nice stuff. Right. And I look at it and I go, oh, that's not me. I never do that. I've never done that. I will right. never do that. You know? So it was just really interesting because you say it's a clump of cells whose function is to create words based on our experience. Yeah. We don't pay attention to the clump of cells that makes our diaphragm go up and down, right? We don't pay attention to the clump of cells that makes our eyes blink or our muscles work. Or right? a heartbeat or, or our heartbeat. lungs breathe. <laughs> and which to me I think are pretty important. Sure. But those feel like big ones. <laughs> those feel like big ones. Yeah. But our 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 attentional focus will lock into these words. Yeah. And we will accept that nonsense as valid, right? It isn't valid. So I'm just going to jump a little bit over to where the particular work I do with mindfulness-based cognitive therapy is. 
using meditation and mindfulness to develop the ability to sit back and go, wow, that's really weird, but I'm not going to pay any attention to that because that's not helpful. As Mark said, if we're talking about, you know, you can stretch for five minutes a day and the mind goes, I don't have time for that. And the mouth goes, I won't be doing that. Yeah. What? (laughs) And And the mouth says, I won't be doing that. You know, as opposed to if we can just see that thought bubble rise and float away and go, yeah, I could carve out five minutes I to do stretching. Crazy roommate in my head. What are you talking about? I got plenty of time. I, there's Netflix and I just do all this stupid stuff. I'm on Reddit three hours a day. Yeah, he feels on fo- Reddit way too much. Yeah. Yes, way he is. But put the phone down. Go yeah. back put to what you said. Put the phone down. Lo and behold, we can do this. So really one of the most important things, I can't emphasize this enough, is to stop listening to what the mind is chattering about it will and does say anything yeah and it is destructive it is so incredibly destructive because the majority of what people have rise up in their minds is negative judgmental critical and actually dangerous yeah and i will give you the example sadly People think I should kill myself. Right. And that can control their lives. And that's a horrible, horrible thing to even think about. Sorry to be so extreme, but I want to make the point. I think that extremism is is important for this. How how far and how bad it can go. Because your brain, like your brain, everything about us is survival instinct. And then your brain is telling yourself, you know what, let's let's be done with this, which is contrary to its function, right? Totally. That's how how nutty that roommate is. That's how insane thoughts can be where they will be detrimental and dangerous and harmful to our day-to-day well-being, let alone out at that extreme. If we're walking around consumed with anxiety, worried and fearful about all the bad things that can happen, we're in that state. And let's go back to what mental health versus uh, what we're going to call mental illness is, is that if I am in this state of high anxiety, moment to moment every day, there's a lot of interference in my life. I can't cope very well, as opposed to if I'm just, let's say, normal, nervous, and calmer, and I can work with that. It doesn't interfere in the same way. One of the things I think is tough about the roommate is that I think the roommate is me, and I trust me because I think I have great ideas, which is another part of my thinking, right? I think I'm awesome, and my ideas are sick every time. I got the best ideas ever. If I'm listening to that voice, but the voice is actually like a hobo who yeah. lives on the street who's like, bro, you should go do this. Yeah. If, I, if I thought of him that way, I'd be like, oh, well, that's a terrible piece of advice. I'm not yeah. going to listen to that hobo on the street. He's got nothing to offer me. But that's not who I, how I picture my my roommate in my head. I picture him as a guy in a tuxedo, yeah. fancy, who's Ryan got Reynolds. all the yeah, just yeah. handsome and, yeah. and smart, mm-hmm. Steve Farris style, just yeah. very handsome and <laughs> lovely man. If I if I treat that voice as having that equal level of access to me, which it's not my voice that we've established isn't me. This voice, this roommate, is not actually me. But when I equate him to me and I think of him in that same level, and I give him that level of stature in my brain. Now I'm going to start listening. And when I listen, I'm like, maybe I do want to be on Facebook for 17 hours today. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do want to just not do the things that I sh- know that I should be doing for maybe myself. Maybe I do deserve that cheesecake. Maybe that cheesecake is tasty. And I, this idea that I have dumping syndrome is going to not be a problem. It'll just The science behind it will go away, right? And it's very easy for me to do that. And we're taking the time to make this distinction because 
people don't talk about yeah, your, this was your the brain key this way. For this me. is important. And this is, you know, when I do my consultations with people and we touch on mental health before I recommend, I do an exercise with them that I think you taught me, which is this, the hello exercise, right? So if I say to all of the listeners here, hello, there are two beings. There's me, my voice saying hello, and then your ears, your brain hearing me say hello and processing it. Now, so, say hello to yourself in your head. And in that moment, you'll realize that there is a voice in your head talking, and then there is a listening component of it. So right there is a proper demonstration of those clumps of cells. There's you, the person that's listening, and then there's the voice, the roommate. And so those two things, and that's what mindfulness does and, and uh, you know, why we're having this conversation. We just need some distance on that because, you know, you know, we could go Buddhist. We go Bob Thurman here and say we're actually not the person listening either. We're the one observing the interactions. But that's for another conversation. But it's important that you know that there are the two components. And as long as you understand that, you know, they are two different beings and you don't have to be the one guy with the voice, that's really Critical. And I've, I've, I, you know, done some reading myself on this. So I'm like an Eckhart Tolle sort of approach to this, which is like he, he had this idea, like maybe I should kill myself. And yeah. this idea that there's two separate beings, there's the one who's doing the thinking, which is I should, I should kill myself. Those are two separate people, the I that's doing the thinking and the myself who's going to be killed. Mm-hmm. And so we're not making light of this. And I, I want to be really clear about this. Like this, we, we have lots of jokes on this show. And so that's, you know, it's, they're not it's, funny. This is this is not the funny aspect of the show. Mm-hmm. This is the serious part, which is what we're trying to do is make this distinction for folks who maybe haven't even considered that this is happening inside their brain. And so yeah. this this may not be revelatory for some of you. For some of you, it might be the first time someone's talked to you about this. And so that might be weird and scary. That's great because we don't want you to stay comfortable in this idea that your brain is you. And so yeah. we, we brought in a guy who's a heavy hitter in the field to talk to you about this because we knew that if me and Neil started spouting about it and we let Ava come in and tell you about it, you weren't going to get the point of this. And right. so we really, this is so crucial and we're doing it so early in the podcast for this reason, because if we don't address mental health as part of this discussion, we're lost. So one of the things I want to say is that this this voice, this disparity that we're not connecting these dots on, then becomes a very big problem for us, right? And then we do a lot of stuff to quiet that voice, right? And that's where the problem lies, right? We don't understand that this is a phenomenon that's happening. To every we, human. This to is, every this single not human. you. You're not super mentally ill because you have that voice. We, that, that's you're a person. You're we're, a human. We're not taught how to handle it. We yeah. try to logic our way out of it. I've noticed, you know, in just like raising children, they try to like think their way through it. That's how I used to, I'll, if I just figure out the problem, I'll, I'll get out. Um, you, know, you cannot logic your way out of these problems. And you when cannot. it's quiet, when there are less people and distractions, the suffering, the voice becomes louder to people. And okay. that's when the problem becomes a real issue, right? Absolutely. And and you can't think your way out of it. That's like trying to get out of a hole with a shovel. You're right. just going to go deeper. Deeper, right. deeper. Right. Exactly. You're using and, the broken thing to fix the problem, right? Yeah. So you're you're accessing this thing that's not working right to try to solve the problem. It, it's not that it's not that we don't think about things, you know, I mean it makes sense to ponder problems and deal with things and so forth and so on, but to understand the mind is a tool and it is not this thing that chatters 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 chatters. I, very very commonly I will hear patients say to me, I am so hard on myself, which goes back to what you said, Mark, as if there are two of us. Mm -hmm. There's me and there's this thing in my head, this person in my head who seems to be really 
He's a smart jerk. and knows everybody and knows everything and is telling me what's wrong with me all the time. The only reason that the mind seems to know what's going on is because it now has information because something has happened it, that has provided more information. Said, so, you know, when you made that decision when you were like 22, boy, what a dumb, jerky, stupid decision. That was dumb. Oh, yeah. So now, all these years later, you see all the outcome and you act like you knew what was going on at 22, but you didn't bother to tell me. And now I'm going to get on your case. There is no two of us. There is just one mind body going on. And so consequently, that if we can step back and we can just become aware of that flow and create some space, we will make much wiser, more skillful decisions than we do if we, as you said earlier, oh yeah, go ahead. That seems like a really good idea. And what is so weird, and you touched on this, Neil, is that the mind will put information out there that is clearly not good for us. I will tell you like 98% of the people who walk into my office say, I know what I should be doing. I know what I need to do. We talk about that all the time. I know how to eat. I know how to exercise. I know what I need to do. So what therapy is about is how do you you get people to do what they actually know, right? I know smoking's bad for you. I know going back to trying to quiet the mind in um, dysfunctional ways. I know I'm drinking too much. I know I shouldn't be smoking pot this much or whatever it is that people are doing to try to mood alter, quiet the chatter, get away from it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And people will say, I know. So what therapy, in many respects, from my point of view, is about is helping people to get to do what they already know they need and should do. So there is that healthy core that needs to be supported and trained. I mean, if that's not the tagline for this entire show, I don't know what is. I mean, that's he just summed up what we've been trying to do over these last you know bunch of episodes, which is is we know you know this stuff, right? We know you know it, but you're not making it happen. And so because of the challenge, because yeah. the because of the challenge of it, because yeah. of the obstacles, because of our life, it's, it's it's not difficult. easy. Right? And so then on the other side, then we have these corrupt industries trying to make a buck off you, selling you quick fixes and stuff like that. That just ends up, you know. And like I said in one of the episodes, like I'm I'm just shocked that these industries keep getting more and more attention and power. Right? How how the hell does the wellness industry keep getting respect every time there's a freaking fad that's garbage, you know, or some quack that's shown to like actually be making things worse, but it keeps getting attention because it's so attractive to us. Quick fix. Quick fix. And yeah, this has worked to, to change our lives to a healthier direction. It, it takes yeah. a lot of effort and work. There is no doubt about it. It's not simple or easy, but we can break it down to small enough components so that it adds up, as I said, over time to move us in a much healthier direction. Um, it's just, it's just a given. And this, and this mindfulness takes me out of the the perseveration that I'm doing. And Neil, has mm-hmm. he just keeps using that he doesn't, word because he doesn't know what it means. Because it's but the only word that he knows. I know, that is I know a lot of fancy. He's a lot perseverating, of, on <laughs> perseverating <laughs> about perseveration. But but this this idea that my brain's just constantly going is that perseveration. I can stay stuck on an idea until it works itself all the way through. And so this idea just stays there, and it's and it's and it takes over. And so 
I like to think of it as as a train just moving across my brain. And mm-hmm. so I can put the idea on the train. I can let it take the train all the way to the other side. And I don't have to get on the train with that thought. That thought can ride through. And this is some cognitive behavioral stuff, but I'm just using it as an example because it worked for me, right? So I'm not I'm not here to be your clinical psychologist. I'm here sitting next to one. But I'm, I'm here to say for you, that's a visual that works for me. Whatever is going to help you realize that you aren't your thoughts, that helps me a ton because I can just put that idea on the train, choo-choo and just let it choo-choo its way to the other side. And then when it gets to the other side, I go, oh, that was just a thought I had. There it goes. And, it's, and now and now I don't have to do anything with it because I put it on the train, I send it on its way. And so that's a practical tool that I use on a daily basis because I have weird thoughts that come into my brain as we've been yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest, all of us do, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start with me. Yeah. I have these weird ideas that I'm like, I'm the worst at this or I'm not. But but none of that is actually what's really going on necessarily. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes the voice is telling you real things. It's it's taking the information because it lives next to your brain. So it's there and it's got that information, which I loved. It's like a neighbor to your brain. So it's up there getting all the information and using it against you, which is like the worst roommate ever because he's taking all – he's like sitting around watching you and going, oh, look at you again messing up. I got another thing. I'm going to put no to that. I'm going to remind you of it for 10 years. That's the stuff that we're up against. And so what are you going to do? And that's why we have you here to talk mindfulness because we think – think every single person listening can benefit from this mindfulness work. So one concept that I think is also very important in this conversation, learning about the the roommate in your head, is the difference between pain and suffering. And I think that's very important for people to hear. This also helped me very much on my struggles. Um, the analogy I use is like, uh, you know, the pain, uh, you know, I, I currently have a headache and the suffering is I'm a huge piece of garbage because I constantly have headache and there's something wrong with me, right? Um, another one, Going back to the 90s, remember when everybody would shoot up the movie theaters and stuff like that? You stepped on my puma, right? So somebody steps on somebody's sneaker, and that's all that happened. There was an event that happened. Somebody stepped on my sneaker, and then it becomes blown out of proportion, this suffering, this intensification of the experience and turning into something that it's not until it escalates into violence. And so um, the idea of People lose an election, and then they can't understand why that happened, and so they go to a big building, and they try to take it over, stuff like that? Is that what we're talking about? Maybe. maybe. I'm not not the expert. I don't know. I would have to defer. So pain and suffering. So let's talk about. Yeah, pain and suffering. Um, so yes, uh, there's a phrase, you know, pain unavoidable suffering is optional. And that's mm-hmm. what you're referring to. Yeah. Look, life is hard. There are a lot of things that are very, very difficult in life. And uh, they're natural. They're not yeah. unnatural. Uh, they're tragic. They're sad. There's, you know, losses of people and beings or pets, et cetera who we love. There are enormous difficulties just surviving day to day for, for everybody. Uh, even the people who are extremely well off, you know, it's, as we saw, it's pretty fragile and it can yeah. break pretty quickly. They're, they're more insulated from it. But for most of us, you know, what is it we're about every living being on this planet from a single celled organism to the most complex is engaged in the same task every single day, and that's survival, yeah. right? And that's hard work. So um, we have to confront the fact that there are going to be difficulties in our lives. We're going to go through experiences that are really going to be hard. That's the pain. If I lose someone who I love, I grieve. That hurts, but that's not unnatural. Beings are born, beings die. If I then, as you point out, anything that takes place in my life, if I'm working on a project at home and, you know, I uh, strip the screw, right? Yeah. And I start to hear in my head, 
Oh, way to go, Larry. Boy, you're really a jerk. You don't know how to do anything. Classic right? Larry. Dope you are. Classic Larry. <laughs> Classic you Larry. know, you should have let me have that screwdriver because I would have known what to do with it. Fascinating. Right? Now I'm I, creating. I, Larry, <laughs> who's yelling at Larry, would have done this better as a different version of Larry. But that, that's our brain, guys. That's, that's what we're talking brain. about. They're right. You're not a real man. You don't know how to take care <laughs> of stuff right. in the house. Yeah. Precisely so. Judgment. And now I'm into suffering. Now what, you know, is just an event that I have to figure out how to take care of. Now I'm engaged in the suffering, you know, that is a consequence of the stream of negative thought that got laid down in my, you know, neural tracks somewhere back when. And it's something I want to point out. A lot of people blame themselves because I can't handle this. I, you know, I should be able to do better, et cetera, et cetera. And I say to my patients, look, you walked into this office, you're 56 years old. You've been practicing this stuff for 56 years. Yeah. You get better at what you practice, whether you want to or not. If somebody has set you up to practice only positive statements to yourself, you know, not unrealistic ones, but ways to encourage yourself for 56 years, you'd be in a very, very different place. You'd be right? the Radio City Music Hall version of yourself, the practice, practice, practice. You're practicing these these thoughts, and so that neural pathway is generated, and you're taking the toboggan straight down that path right. every time because you've worn it down. It is like an old glove. You're just going to continue to go back to that same groove because no one showed you there's a hill next door you could take, and you're not taking that hill because you like the toboggan down the hill you already know. And this is not to ignore genetic and biopsychosocial factors that uh, create certain predispositions in people. But for most of our garden variety suffering, the reality is if we understand we're not doing anything wrong, we have learned this. We didn't mean to learn it, but nobody taught us anything very different. If we can now understand things that can be learned can be unlearned, and new learning can take place, and new habits can replace the old habits. And it doesn't have to be like a total life makeover. I, you know, I watch people within, you know, maybe a few months make a couple of changes that they practice uh, over. And I listen for things like when people come into my office and they'll say, you know what, it's really interesting. My life hasn't changed much, but it's so much easier. What I'm hearing is they've reduced their suffering. Right. They're now coping better with the same problems that existed. And without the suffering, they can bring more of their personal resources to addressing those problems. And then we can say, well, well what's going on? Maybe can this, can this change? Can this? Let's try that. Because they're not fighting against themselves, as you indicated earlier, Mark, with all kinds of negative statements that inhibit and create resistance, 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 resistance. You know, don't tell me I can change. I'm going to tell you, you can change because you're a dope. <laughs> I can change and I can change you if I want to, but I'm not going to help. I'm not going to. For I'm some reason, I don't help, want to, right? which is super yeah, weird. Like if your it. brain's capable of doing this, it's not doing it. So why, why? Ask yourself, why is that brain that's so smart, that roommate who's so bright, how come he's never moved out of the room? How come he lives in the attic still, right? If he was so smart, he would have taken over your body and been running it. But that's he's right. not. He's just, a, he's just a sitting on the sidelines judging you and being a jerk about it. And so, and the other thing I want to stress here, and, and Dr. Larry's an incredible guy, we have him here for a reason. He he partners with you in this process. And so having a trained professional who you know is on your side, who you know is going to support you in this process, now gives that roommate much less power because you have someone else on your team who's sitting with you and saying, that voice is probably not the one you want to listen to. 
I'm going to partner with you on this and we're going to come up with strategies for attacking these problems. Now, all of a sudden, you're not alone. It's not just you and the roommate. You have a trusted person beside you who's helping you navigate the the, the nonsense that you're spewing in your brain. And so having that person who you know believes in you and knows that you're going to do it, which is what we're trying to do here with the podcast, right? We're, we're trying to get to that place where you see that's what we're here for. But having one-on-one, somebody who can help you walk through these issues, not alone, with a clear path, that is absolutely, in and of itself, going to produce positive results. And 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 even if that's all you get, right, it's a, it's laying that groundwork. So we talked when we, when we did my whole story about the things I had to learn along the way. I had to lose 100 pounds twice. I needed to have people teach me how to work out. I had to have people teach me how to eat. I had to have people teach me about mindset. I didn't just come prepared with these things. If I did, I wouldn't have been 420 pounds, right? And so I'm an extreme example of this. Not that I have it all figured out, believe me, Dr. Dresdale will tell you, but 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 the fact the fact that you have to have these experiences to see that you aren't your thoughts, that you can have somebody show you different ways out of this, it's crucial. And yeah. so and so we're really focusing and taking the time right now to talk about this, not because it's theoretical, not because it's hypothetical. Having somebody by your side to take you through this process is is invaluable. And uh, Drezzy, uh, can we call you Drezzy? Yeah, you go for it. <laughs> so, I, was, I was known as Drez in high school, Drez, so you could work Drez. with that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you had mentioned a lot of stuff about like incremental gains and small changes and how it, right, and, and it's literally everything that we've been saying. So if you just make a couple nutritional changes, we'll hear from people, I'm the same way, but I feel a lot better, right? Because we started to eat real foods and we started to move a little bit more and we have better range of motion. All of it is the same. It's all the same problem that is solved with just diligence. And that's difficult uh, and discipline. Uh, and the biggest problem to getting started is kind of the, the, the roadblocks that are put up from the media and our understanding of these things and our lack of training and all of that. So, And, and, and mostly the roommate. I, when people yeah. reach out to me and say, Mark, I'm not flexible. I can't stretch. I don't know what to do. I reiterate back to them. I started this bigger and heavier than you with less range of motion. So when you tell me you can't do it, I don't believe you. I don't, I don't agree with you that you can't do it. I can show you that these are accessible stretches that anybody can do, and I can show you how to modify to make the maximum benefit for your body. And I say that, and it's still, yeah, well, I don't want to get up early. Eh, I'm not really sure about that. Meh. And if they paused and t- told the roommate to go take a break and go sit in the back of the room and just sat and said, oh, hmm, maybe I... Maybe I could. That's that's a start. That's a move in a different direction right. than that immediate just contempt before actually understanding the contempt of it before I've ever even given it a shot. It's so much easier in a way oh. to just say, forget it. I'm not going to do it. Or even just like not even the contrary thought, just going, oh, that's a thought from the roommate. Right. Just that observation, that first step is going, Huge. wait a second. You, I know what's you going hobo. on here. You're like, doing this again, hobo. I, Go sit I, in the back. I said I got to do this thing. And then the thing came up. There it is. And right, that's it the is, first right. step, right? Yeah. Let me give you a quick example from, from my life because I, do, I really do my best to try to put into practice what I share with other people. So We don't. We, we just, right. we just you talk guys about clearly, it. We, right. we're, we're not the right guys for that. I could, I could clearly see that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I had a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle on the way here. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, Ava, that ride home. Double. I think it was a double, it's right? Yeah. So, um, we're going to take French toast and shove a sausage bag. <laughs> I'll have a Monte Cristo, please. Right? <laughs> right, exactly. And here's our problem. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, uh, physical activity and exercise. Uh, I've done it throughout the course of my life. I'm I'm old. I'm going to be a, a really big birthday's coming up. I know. I'm excited. Act- yeah, really. We're all, we're all going to cheer. So, um, but uh, one of the things I attribute to my ability to still do so much of what I do in the way that I move around this world and take on challenges is because of working out. Okay, so what's the deal? So let's say any given morning, but yeah, let's talk about a January morning. It's dark. It's cold. I'm in a warm bed, right? Yeah. My alarm goes off at 6 a.m. I got to go hit the gym. And what is the roommate in my head saying? Oh, man. What, no. Bro, you don't why why would you even? I mean, oh, God. I mean you're fine. You're, you're fine. You yeah. could, you know, you do it every day. Why don't you just like lay here in the warm place? And, you know, you could skip a day. That'll be okay. Now, <laughs> that's a slippery slope. Trust me. Yeah. So was you just said, Neil, I just watch these thoughts mm-hmm. float by, right? Oh, there are those don't go work out thought again, right? Yeah. And my body, fortunately, isn't listening. And as a consequence of years of training, mm-hmm. right, I managed to swing my legs over the side of the bed, get up, bleary-eyed, put on my workout clothing and get into the gym, right? And once I'm there, guess what? I'm glad I'm there. I feel better. I feel more alert. I feel, you know, uh, you know, peppier at when I'm done, I feel less stressed and all of the good things. So I just want to point out something that you've been referring to, Mark. People stop themselves on the way in mm-hmm. and they never experience uh, what it is on the way out. Yeah. What the benefits are the, of the activity is on the way out. And I teach my patients, stop paying attention to the way in because your mind's going to throw in all the barriers Pay attention to how you feel once that thing you've been procrastinating about for the last 22 years and you decide to do it. Oh my God, I finally got that done. Yeah. I finally took care of that piece of business, right? I feel so much better. I've been anxious, stressed, worried, you know, about this for never having taken care of it. And now it's done. So pay attention to how we feel on the way out. And that makes a big difference in promoting positive change. It, it, you know, I do feel better that I ate a healthy breakfast instead of eating my usual. Sausage, egg, and cheese, McGriddle. Yeah, that oh. one. Right. You know, lo, lo and behold, I don't feel sluggish and and I wish I, and now the brain goes, the one, same one that told you to eat is now saying, what did you eat that for? Why did you do well, that? You are such a jerk. Same guy. Yeah, that same, same hobo. Guy. That same hobo is sitting there judging your McGriddle after saying, bro, you could get the McGriddle. You, you could get the right. McGriddle. Yeah, you right. eat, yeah. Neil, you've been eating great, bro. You yeah, know what right. we should do? You and Ava deserve a McGriddle. Let's go get you a McGriddle. So then you and Ava go get a McGriddle. Now your brain's like, well, wait till Dresdale gets here. He's going to know. He's going to smell the McGriddle on your breath. Mark's going to judge you. Mark eats so healthy now. He's going to judge you. And that's... That dude's insane. Like, picture right. this hobo. Make him as gross as, like, like him jumping on the train. Right. Put him on the train and send and him on his way. Right. Send he's his got his on. little, he's yeah. got his, like, his, his little, uh, you know, broomstick with, with all his belongings in a bag over his shoulder. That's what I want you to picture. Like, an old 20s hobo jumping train to train. He's not a reliable source. He's not going to get you where you want to be. He's a jerk. He's a mean jerk. And we just have to let him not have the control that he has. He can't drive. We have the kids in uh, cross-country. 
country to Ava's dismay, and but Livy's doing all right with it. But part of the lesson is how there that voice in your head will tell you to stop, even though it's good for you. That's and, right. And running is the perfect example because at any time your brain can be like, "Yeah, stop." That's enough running. Yeah, and, and like I have to really convince myself to stay running. It's I'm, awful. I like I don't. To, well, as I'm running, I'm like, "This is stupid," I'm and I hate constantly. Everything about it. It's yeah. constant. Every third breath, I'm like, "Keep running. This is keep stupid, going." Right? You know. So this is. So I just really want to emphasize this because this is so interesting. You're both bringing this up, and I just mentioned about my experience, right? It doesn't make any difference. I started meditating in my early 20s, right? It doesn't make any difference, and I'm old now, so I'm just keep saying that. <laughs> we know, we know. I, 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 we know that. We We've got that by now, now right? <laughs> right. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't make any difference. People think, oh, it should be all Zen and like, you yeah. know, I never have these thoughts. These thoughts constantly arise. It's just that what the practice is to relate to them differently. So when they come up, if I'm doing anything like working out, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you know, I hit 11 or 12 reps and my mind goes, oh, that's too heavy. You can't do any more Enough. reps. Right. You know, now I just go, oh, thanks. And I just keep going and lo and behold, my body can do it. Your bodies can keep running. Our mind will stop our bodies from doing the very thing that is beneficial for the entire body, including the brain that makes the mind, if we listen to the mind and assume it has validity. It does not. And we've talked about, I talked about the science of stretching. We did a whole episode about science of stretching. And part of the stretching work that I do has the breathing as a component. And so it's hacking the nervous system. So it's that deep breath in through the nose for a count of four. And then it's that eight count exhale oh, with that humming sound. And so there's a reason for that because it stops that nervous system response of, holy crap, I don't want to be here. Get me out of this stretch. And it allows you to stay in the stretch, which ultimately benefits your body. So this is a direct parallel to what we're talking about here. And I'll give it a sillier example. When I see dishes in the, in the sink, I don't want to put them in the dishwasher. Now, all they have to do is go from the sink to the dishwasher. Sometimes I have to empty the dishwasher first and then move the plates. Well, that's for, a nightmare. Forget it. If that's the yeah. case, I'm burn just going to work. I am just going to I'm going to burn the house down and yeah. move away. I, mm -hmm. It's too much to do. And in my brain, it, that's what my brain says. This is too much. This is too much to do every time. Now I've been doing dishes now, and especially in the pandemic, the biggest part of the pandemic for me was having a dishwasher because that was like the MVP of, of <laughs> COVID was my dishwasher. I ran it seven times a day because of the amount of food we were eating, but. I don't want to do that task ever. There's never one time I'm like, you know what I'd love to do today? Dishes. But all I have to do is go, that's a crazy thought. You've done dishes your whole life. You can move these dishes. Once I start moving one or two, then I get the momentum. I don't get the motivation beforehand, right? People love motivation. I want to be motivated to do the thing. I use my discipline instead of motivation. So that idea that this task has to get completed, whether I want to do the task or not, I still need these dishes to be clean. And so I know it's a silly example, but it happens to me quite literally every day. And every time it happens, I go, why is this such a difficult thing? Like I can stretch and do all these cool things. I can run. I can do all sorts of cool stuff with my body. I don't want to do dishes right? Mm -hmm. What am I up against with that? It's right? the thinking that I'm up it's against. The brain. It's the brain. So uh, guess what? We were long-winded and no. we went really long. Yeah. Not this us. is now a two-part episode. It's a seven-part episode. So I'm going to do the outro. Sure. We're going to say that thanks for joining us. And then we're going to do another episode. And we're going to finish the conversation around meditation and mindfulness. That's we'll squeeze great. it all in. All right. That'd so, be fun. All right. So you're going to have to join us next week for the conversation around meditation and mindfulness. That does it for this week's podcast episode. Take a few moments, give us that five-star review, share the podcast, your social feeds. Remember, being our healthiest starts with being our 
honest about ourselves and the health and wellness industry, then blazing a new path, marching forward one step at a time. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller for Mark DeSico, and we've got your back. Thanks for joining us.